My name is Brian Winch, author of Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business. And if you want to learn how to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate Podcast with my friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm super excited for today's interview with Brian Winch. Brian is the author and creator of Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business. Brian has been involved in all aspects of the parking lot litter cleaning business since 1981. He can show you how to start and operate a business based from home, and make money from a simple green service that's almost as easy to do as going for a walk. This was a super, super interesting conversation for me to have. We talk so much about entrepreneurism and we see this glamorous side of of entrepreneurism. And then you talk to somebody who has made this amazing company out of something as simple as picking up trash in a parking lot and providing that service and being proud of it. And it was just a really different and amazing conversation to have and got into so many of the different topics that you know, we get to talk about relating to entrepreneurism, like doing that hard work and no matter what you're doing and pushing through, you know, some of the discomfort and amazing conversations like that. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing that conversation really quickly before we do. If you or anyone that you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when I just need to keep insert whatever you want here losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything that you're supposed to do, yet life isn't turning out the way that you expected, and it seems like something's missing despite others telling you how successful you are, then the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The worst thing about tying your version of success to this external I'll be happy when moment is you just might hit it. And that's what happened to me in 2016. One of the most important questions anybody ever asked me was, what does success mean to you? And as I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask and answer this question for themselves enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into the life that you want to have. Surround yourself with people who give you the comfort to step out of your comfort zone and live that vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone that you know needs in their life, head over to the defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com. For more information, you can schedule a call, see if we're a good fit to work together, and we can start getting you that clarity in your life that you need to be able to live the life you've always wanted. I look forward to speaking with you. And without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Brian. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Amber. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. Let's go ahead and start by just jumping back a little bit and thinking um, high school or college years or kind of that age, what you thought your life was going to look like when you grew up. Like, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I think I was about six or seven, and I think I wanted to be a doctor, and then it was a <laughs> fireman, like almost every boy at that time, growing up in the, in the 60s. And then I, I got involved into uh, minor sports, and I was uh, um, quite the hockey player, actually, and I progressed up the ranks. Uh, was playing in a very competitive, high-profile leagues right up to the, the junior years. And and for a while, uh, you know, I was uh, invited to uh, a training camp for a major junior hockey team, uh, which happens to be the largest feeder system for hockey players to the NHL. And for uh, for a while, I thought, you know what, I, I have a legitimate shot here playing professional hockey. Uh, but for whatever reason, um, I just lost the passion. All of a sudden, just like the switch turned off and... And I thought, you know what, this, this isn't fun anymore. And uh, so at the end of, I finished my last season, competitive hockey, and, and decided I, I wasn't going to go back the, the next year. At that time, I, I, you know, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So I thought, well, you know what, I could still maybe do something in hockey. And I looked at various um, you know, broadcasting uh, school opportunities. And, and actually, I did go to a um, a broadcasting school, which um, uh, was uh, kind of like online, and, and you, 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 uh, they offered a job placement service, and uh, I did get a, uh, a broadcasting gig. But again, it wasn't for me. It, uh, maybe I didn't do due diligence. That's something I learned: is you know you have to investigate different opportunities and career fields, and not jump into something thinking that uh, you know uh, you, you know you know everything. And uh, so. Um, um, I was at the crossroads again. I, I, uh, I, I stopped doing that. And, you know, what am I going to do now? And um, so, you know, I started looking at different opportunities and, you know, what can I do? I, I you know, I barely graduated, graduated high school. I just had this little piece of paper from broadcasting school, uh, uh, but really no marketable skills other than what I learned in, in this brief broadcasting course. And uh, not a lot of money. And uh, I was working full time as a shipper receiver at a sporting goods company and decided, you know, I, I can't see myself doing this the rest of my life. And um, so I thought, well, you know, I, I want to work for myself. I, I enjoy working outdoors. Uh, I'm, I was always a very independent uh, person. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to work my butt off, I'd rather uh, make myself rich than somebody else. And yes. I remembered my father, who was a caretaker. But, and as a result of that, I mean, you know, his salary wasn't the greatest and he always had some side gigs on the go. I remember that as a kid, but he, of course, back then it was called moonlighting or, or spare, spare job or something. Yeah. But uh, one of the things he did was he cleaned up litter from a, a shopping plaza in the neighborhood. And he took me along with him a couple of times and I, and that, that stuck in my mind. And, and so when I was at this crossroads, what am I going to do? I thought, well, maybe there's a business opportunity there. He, I mean, he was making money doing that. So it all kind of started there. I mean, that's where the seed was planted by my father. And so, um, you know, I, I started looking into it and uh, I tested the market, uh, you know, did some market research uh, um, and I started it as a side gig. After a few months, I was making more money doing that than I was in my full-time job as a shipper receiver at the sporting goods company. And I decided, you know what, uh, let's be honest with your, yourself, Brian. Um, let's put that time into scaling the business and building the business and it, it was a great decision on my part because I've never looked back you know I went full-time with this and uh, you know the school of hard knocks all started uh, you know <laughs> yeah. I, I had to learn how to price the service which tools uh, were the best to use what time of day 
you know, uh, I had to refine my, my elevator pitch uh, and how I approach uh, prospects. And, and uh, um, you know, that, that's how it all began. There's so much amazing stuff in that. Kind of one of the first things that I want to I want to touch on is the idea that you built this profitable and rewarding and fulfilling business out of this simple idea like cleaning up parking lots. And this is a service that we all need. But I know that there are people out there that will think um, that entrepreneurship is all about finding that glamour side of things. And it doesn't sound like there's anything glamorous about, about cleaning up parking lots. Right. And I love that it's those simple opportunities of finding out where you can add value to somebody else and then figuring out how you can package that up for them. That allows us to find that fulfillment in our life through a business like what you built. That's right. And there was a book at the time that I came across. I can't remember how I found it, but um, it was the first edition of um, America's um, The Millionaire Next Door, The Millionaire's Next Door by Thomas uh, Stanley, I believe the author's name. He profiled all of these millionaires that uh, lead very uh, low profile lives. They could be living in a house right next door to you. Uh, They don't necessarily own all the fancy toys, the biggest houses, but they're millionaires and they've become millionaires and successful from very simple businesses uh, like dry cleaning businesses or, or, uh, or some companies they've identified a market and a need for collecting grease fat from restaurants and, and they, you know, built a whole fleet of trucks and everything. And, and, you know, they're they're not glamorous businesses, but uh, you know, they're businesses that, that uh, there are demands for, and uh, you can make really good money doing it provided you don't mind doing it. That, that's the key. You, know, you, you have to have a passion for what you're doing as opposed to chasing the bucks. And unfortunately, a lot of people become victimized by scams, you know, online, you know, uh, they want to believe uh, that they can make $50,000 a month working an hour a day in their pajamas. Um, right. But you know what, maybe they get into it and then they find out it's something they don't, you know, there's a lot of sales involved in it and they don't want to do it or, or, you know, they have to recruit a lot of members who knows what it is, but they quickly lose enthusiasm to do it and, and they drop out of it. And so, you know, you can't chase the dollars. You have to find what works for you, what would you be interested in doing uh, and then and pursue it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because there is no like get rich quick scheme out there. Like you might look at people and, and I talk about this all the time with entrepreneurs that so many times we look at the, this is how my business started to this is where it ended up because, you know, and it's this amazing profitable business, profitable business. And we miss all that shit in between the constant struggles, the trial and error of what's going to work, the constant failures, um, and getting back up and like all that stuff is where the pure gold is in getting you to that successful point. So to your, to your point of these, these scams that people get into, the idea that you could buy a course and then two months later be making millions of dollars, like that leaves out the rewarding part of the business. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there's so many lessons that I have learned over so many years and, you know, not just business growth, but personal growth. And, you know, and uh, I'm the first to tell everyone I, I'm an introvert. Uh, I'm not a, I don't have an extroverted personality. And some people say, well, well, then how, how do you do so well on sales? I mean, how do you approach people? And you, you find the motivation. And, uh, you know, uh, I quickly learned, uh, um, 
when I uh, approach prospects, uh, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm just trying to educate them about my service and how I can be a benefit to them, how I can save them money, give them cleaner properties. And would you like to know more? And, uh, and then, you know, if you really think about it too, uh, for people that say, well, Brian, I can't sell anything. I'm not a natural born salesperson, but you know what? We, well, you know what? We all have those experiences starting from childhood. Do you remember when you wanted to raise an allowance and you had to <laughs> yep. approach your mom or dad and try to justify it? You know, you were selling yourself or same thing when you started dating, you know, I mean, you're competing with other people, you know, et cetera. And you, you had to, you know, do good grooming and look presentable, et cetera. And then it, it, it progressed to those job interviews. I mean, you yep. have to sell yourself in a job interview and, and explain, uh, and I'm sure you were asked those questions in an interview. You, uh, you know, Brian or Amber, you know, why should we hire you? Yeah. What can you bring to the team? And so everyone can relate to those experiences and it, and it isn't really that much more difficult than, than just doing it. And, uh, you know, as a business person, you know, uh, I'm the CEO, but I'm also the, the lead custodian. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you, you have many hats, wear many hats, but um, you know, um, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, you have to be a master of everything because there, there are certain tasks that you can, uh, contract out or farm out. Um, and, but you know, it's good to have a basic understanding of, of, of a lot of different areas. So, um, you know, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. There's so much in there that, um, is so amazing, but where you were talking about, um, you know, finding, like creating this business that you can be proud of and creating this, um, this service. When we talk about sales, if you get, I've learned that if you get that, that pit in your stomach, that you're coming at it from the wrong angle. Like I used to be that person that you were talking about that said, Oh, I'm not good at sales. I can't do this. And the moment somebody shifted that in my mind and said, do you believe that you have a product or a service that is valuable to somebody that will enhance their lives. And of course I do. And if that's true, then don't you owe it to them to make sure they know about your product and service and you can make their life easier and let them make a decision. Like as soon as you look at it as sharing instead of selling, uh, of selling, then it, all that stress goes away. That's right. I exactly. And that's finding your motivation. Um, you know, I can still sympathize with some people that, you know, before you're going to, you know, get on the phone or you're, before you're going to start talking to people, you, you have the butterflies. It's the same thing. I mean, when I was a hockey player, before every game, I had those butterflies. But as soon as I got out on the ice, they went away because it was dealing with the task at hand. Yeah. And those butterflies, I think, are the important part of what's going on in your mind. Like that's the point where your mind has the opportunity to come up with all the stories that could go wrong on this call. Right. <laughs> and so that's why all, um, all of those uh, butterflies kick in. I was telling somebody about this 24 hour obstacle course race that I had ran a few years back. And I said, my pit crew had this daunting task of making sure that every time I crossed the finish line, I got to the start line again, because it's that time between the finish line and the start line for that next lap where your head has the opportunity to tell you to quit. And I feel like that's the same mentality that it takes to make those calls. It's those time in between those conversations that your mind has the opportunity to give you every reason that it's not going to work out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I have a saying, um, you know, the, just remember the three P's. You, you have to bring passion, but you have to be persistent and also patient. And if you remember that, especially when it comes to sales, because I've, I've had some people that buy my book 
uh, and they're starting a similar business in their own city. And they're saying, Brian, you know, I, I, I made contact with a prospect and they seemed very interested, but you know, how soon should I expect to reply from them or, or, you know, how, how soon should I get back to them? And, and you learn that delicate balance between being patient and, and allowing them some time. You don't want to be pushy, but uh, also persistent that, you, you know, you have to follow up on those leads and, and provide a little bit more information, educate them a little bit more, maybe give them a few more uh, reasons why, you know, why your service is, is going to be a benefit to them. And, and, it, and when they decide they're ready to go, um, you know, believe me, you'll, you'll hear from them and, and, um, and, and uh, away you go. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many amazing, amazing lessons in what you just talked about. So as far as starting your business is concerned, when you decided that you were going to jump in and start this, this cleaning business, had you had experience in business before or was this your first venture? Um, well, it, it was my first official venture. I mean, I was kind of entrepreneurial as a kid. I, I remember I was about six or seven when I decided, you know, my allowance isn't good enough and I've got to find a way to make some extra money. So instead of uh, setting up a lemonade stand, uh, I grabbed uh, um, some of my toy, the toys from my younger brothers and cleaned them up and, and then sold them some, to the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what? The, my brothers weren't too happy with me there. But uh, Oh, you didn't tell them you were taking their toys? No, you just <laughs> no, no. They just saw the stand or they, they, they heard later or found later from some of the, their, their, our, you know, common friends that, oh, you got a new toy. And then they say, oh, hey, that was my toy. Where'd you get it? And so, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I always had that um, kind of mentality. And, but no, I, I like I said, I, I barely graduated high school and uh, didn't have any formal business training. And so, you know, this really was a simple service to provide. Uh, you know, it's outdoors. It's a cleaning service. Um, you know, and I, I got into it because I thought, well, you know what, it's simple to do. I enjoy working outdoors. Hey, I can do this. I, I feel good about what I'm doing, uh, providing a valuable service to the community and seeing the results from my work. And, uh, and I think that's the reason why I've been so successful with it and been doing it for close to 40 years is because I want to do it. And I wanted yeah. to do it back then when I started it. And, you know, so, so basically, I, you know, I, I learned, you know, from my, my mistakes and refined my sales approaches and, and uh, you know, and, and everything else that went along with it is, and, uh, and just kept getting better and better at it. And to the point where I started getting a lot more referrals from my, you know, existing clients or, or other prospects. And they said, Hey, Brian, you're doing a great job for us. Or, or, Hey, Brian, I hear, you know, you're doing this for, for another uh, management company. Uh, and would you, uh, you know, consider doing, you know, some of this work for us at our properties. And, and so the business continued to, to grow. And uh, at some point I had to, to scale it to bring in other people to do it and, and so forth. And, and make a long story short, jump way ahead in time. Um, when we built what started to be a, a side hustle and then morphed into a one-man operation into a business now where we have an army of people that do the, the cleanup work for us. And we bill out over you know, close to $600,000, $650,000 a year just doing litter cleanup outside commercial properties. We're not into landscaping. We don't, we're not a janitor service. You know, we, we don't tend to be or claim to be a jack of all trades and wind up being a master of none. We just do the litter cleaning and we, we, we believe we do it better than anybody else. Yeah, that's, that's super powerful as far as not being the jack of all trades. Like so many times we feel like we need to be everything to everyone in order to be successful. 
excuse me, and it's exactly the opposite. We need to figure out what service we can provide well and double down on that. Right. And, you know, I did make a mistake, um, you know, four years into the business or so, um, you know, it was a long time ago, um, where a couple of our customers did approach us and say, Brian, you're doing a great job with the, the litter cleaning. Can't, I've got a small strip of grass along uh, the side of um, one of my properties. Can you cut the grass for us? <laughs> and then it turned in, can you, oh, by the way, Brian, you know, we have a small area of sidewalk. Can you shovel the snow for us? And, and you know, at the time, I didn't learn how to say no. Uh, everything was yes, yes, yes. And before you knew it, uh, that's, that ex- extended to some of our other clients. And we got into, uh, involved into some service that really, quite frankly, we weren't enjoying doing. And so then we decided, okay, you know, let's get out of this. Let's just go back to our roots. Uh, but the concern was, you know, you know, how many clients are we going to lose totally as a result of that? Yeah. Um, because, you know, in, in my field or in my service, there are some uh, companies um, like the larger landscape contractors or the larger cleaning companies that do uh, promise to do everything under the sun. And, uh, and we were afraid to lose our, you know, uh, our clients to some of those larger outfits, but we only lost one out of all of that. And the rest of us stuck with us because they said, Brian, we understand. And we're, you know, we're, the reason we're really happy with you is because of the results you provide for us uh, cleaning litter outside our properties. That's the, and we want to keep you. Yeah. And I think that that brings up a really important point of the purpose of building relationships with people because these, the big companies can provide something under the sun and, and no matter what industry you're in, you're always going to have a company that's bigger than you that can provide more than you can, unless you're like Amazon. I don't know that he has anybody bigger than him, Um, but you're always going to have that person that can provide more and people don't necessarily buy a service. They buy a relationship. And so when you can add something to that relationship by knowing that, you know, maybe they're going to get first-hand attention with you. Maybe if they have an emergency, you're going to be there where maybe a bigger company couldn't do that. The power of building relationships when you're a small business cannot be overstated. Exactly. And especially in the cleaning business, uh, uh, you know, we, we will not compete uh, with, uh, for business by offering the, the cheapest price. You know, we don't go there. Uh, what we do is we develop relationships. Um, we make it known that, you know, we will do this better than anybody else and we provide communication. So we provide that extra value. So in other words, if, as an example, if we're cleaning up a property and we happen to notice some property damage or fresh graffiti or somebody's dumped off some, you know, a, a mattress at the back of the building, you know, we inform our customers Uh, about that and it helps develop the relationship it builds trust they know we're there and we provide the provide the extra value which they really appreciate in 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 the form of the communication and uh and then they know what they get when they deal with us as opposed to maybe uh, going with the cheapest price and then they don't get the communication Uh, or the, the service is sporadic some days it's provided some days it's not or they're there later and, you know, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times <clears throat> these companies, they u- utilize um, workers that used to be seasonal, but now they go, they're not seasonal anymore because they go year round. They do the, the litter cleaning, they do the snow removal in those areas of the country, they do the landscaping, and they just look at it, at it as a job. Maybe, you know, they're not making the best amount of money, and they just go in there and just do 
the, the basic job uh, and they don't have that ownership perspective where they're thinking, oh, you know what, I should do a little bit extra or I should uh, communicate these issues or, or what, what have you. And so, um, you know, uh, so our, our, our clients, they, they know what they get when they deal with us. Yeah, I like that so much. So let me ask you this, for the person that's out there that's maybe just starting their business, or maybe they're struggling in their business to get traction, or maybe they're still in a nine to five and they're waiting for that motivation or that kick in the ass that we all need to jump into entrepreneurship. What advice do you have for them on the idea of learning the things that you need to learn in order to be successful? You mentioned that you made a lot of mistakes and you had to, you had to learn how to to how to run a, a business and, and learn the administrative side of things. So for that person that's back there thinking, I just don't know what to do, what advice do you have for them? Well, there's all sorts of great, and there's tons of information out there now, thanks to the, the internet, uh, that wasn't available when I started out. And in 1981, that's when I started out there. there uh, so I had to go to the library or pick up publications that maybe the banks put out or various forms of government about, you know, marketing, you know, how to, how to do sales, etc. Accounting. Um, you know, I would seek advice maybe from a, um, an accounting firm or a, or a bookkeeper, you know, how do I keep records? You know, what records are necessary to be kept? But, and all of that now is, is uh, you know, very easily and readily found on the internet. So you have to be a sponge and you can learn things. There's tutorials. I mean, there's, it's just endless, but it also depends on the type of business that you're going to start. I mean, if it's some, a very sim a simple service business, uh, there's not really that much involved and you just put together a plan and take it one step at a time so you, that you're not overwhelmed. And, you know, some people think, oh, I can never start a business because there's so much to learn and uh, I'll never do that. And, and they, they quickly talk themselves out of it. But, you know, if you start out simple, learn, learn enough to get going. And again, you, know, you have the opportunity now. I mean, this has never been a better time in, in human history to, to, to start a business. Uh, you can do it on the side. And very affordably without spending a lot of money and then and scale it. And, you know, in, in some cases, you know, some people, that's good enough for them. They just like a little bit of extra money coming in and they maybe enjoy their full-time employment and they, they like the benefits package, et cetera. And that's good enough. But, you know, for, for a bunch of other people, you know, it's just an opportunity to dangle their toe in the water and then uh, they, they, the, bite, the, the bug bites them and they, and they want to go full-time with it. And, but you know, it, it, it's, everyone is different and the opportunity is there. Yeah. And I think that um, what you said is so important and kind of drives home the importance of listening to what you want and not letting those external ideas of what you should be doing come into play. Like what is it that you want to be accomplishing and how can you get there without thinking about what somebody else necessarily expects you to be doing? Exactly. So for you, as far as starting this business and, and growing it to where you have now, which is so amazing over the last little bit, what would you say was the biggest lesson that you had to learn? The willingness to learn and listen to other people. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, like I say, I've, I've got an independent streak. Uh, I can be stubborn. But, you know, you, you quickly realize you don't have all the answers and you need to ask for help or assistance and, and not be too proud to do so. And, uh, and then, you know, learn those lessons and learn from your failures uh, instead of, uh, um, uh, you know, doing the same things. I mean, you're going to get the same results. So you have to take a look, okay, what am I doing wrong here? What am I doing that I can change up? 
And, uh, and then, you know, you don't have to do everything or learn everything. Like in terms of marketing, now, there's so many different uh, uh, marketing channels and, and avenues to market your, your business or, and service. So, you know, depending on what you're getting into, um, you know, uh, become a, really good at one. And then when, you, when you've done that, then they add another to the mix, et cetera. And, uh, and then that way it, um, you can actually do it and not be overwhelmed with, you know, thinking that, oh, I got to get into everything and I got to be everywhere. So, you know, my clients can find me and I'll give you an example of that. Like, uh, you know, my clients are, uh, are businesses, you know, so I market business to business. So I'm going to have a profile on LinkedIn, not necessarily on Facebook. Uh, for yeah. my particular business, I mean, I'm not into a maid service. You know, if I were, if I was doing house cleaning, I might have a a, a paid a Facebook page. But uh, uh, in terms of who my market is, I know exactly who they are: the commercial property management companies or property managers. And where are they going to be? They're going to be on LinkedIn. And so, so you know, you take advantage of that, and uh, and you know, and others, and and uh, you know, by all means, have a website. But before you even get to the website. You have to ask yourself, uh, why don't you go for the low-hanging fruit first that are free and, and get your your profiles on the search engines like Google My Business. Uh, you know, you can get, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything, but you you get a profile. And, uh, um, before, you know, like I said, before you even develop a website, if there are people out there, your prospects that are looking for your service, they're going to find you because you have that profile set up on Google My Business. Yeah, I love it so much. So... You take all this knowledge that you've gained and the um, experiences that you've had since you've been scaling and growing your business, and you decide to put that into a book for people. Can you talk about that just a little bit? I'd love to share my experience, my success with other people. I thought, you know what, it would have been great if something was around when I started. It would have saved me a lot of uh, um, you know, money and, uh, and, and time. Uh, if I, if I would have had a resource like that. So, you know, I put everything down, my experience in my book. I also offer free support because it works. It's a proven business model. It's a simple business. If, if people follow uh, what is laid out in my book, uh, clean lots, America's simplest business, a parking lot, litter removal uh, business that you can be proud of. Uh, it will work for you. And, and, uh, and it's affordable. It's not a franchise. It's not, you know, I, I, and because that would, wouldn't work anyhow, because it's such a simple business that uh, after a while, you know, people would resent sending me royalties and franchise fees. I mean, they, they don't need me anymore. So, so that's why I market this opportunity in the form of a book and offer the free support. And, and the same thing applies to my free support. After a while, you People don't need me anymore, but I always appreciate hearing success stories and uh, and and uh, testimonials. And and it, it happens all the time. People reach out to me maybe four or five years after they bought my book, and uh, right out of the blue, and say, "Brian, I bought your book, and and this is what I'm doing now, and you know, and and, and et cetera, et cetera." And it's always nice to hear those stories. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, if people wanted to check out your book or connect with you relating to your business model and how they could get started with that. What's the best way for them to find it? Well, just go to my website. It's cleanlots.com. Um, just the way it sounds uh, clean 
and lots, L-O-T-S.com. And uh, everything is there. Um, there's even a brief video that uh, you can watch that actually shows me doing the cleaning work. And it really is. It, it, it's almost as easy as going for a walk, but you get paid for it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I love what you talked about as far as like finding the things that you enjoy and bringing that into a business for you. Like you knew that you liked working outside. Um, you knew that kind of getting paid, like you just said, getting paid to go for a walk and just, you know, cleaning up along the way. Like that's such a crazy simple way to start a business knowing what your passions are. That's right. And you, you just have to know that uh, and, um, you know, follow your passions and find a way to make a hobby or whatever you enjoy doing, uh, make it work uh, into a business. Absolutely. So let's shift gears for just a little bit and talk about this idea of success. Um, let's start with your idea of success. How do you define that for yourself now? Um, being, it was always about being able to work for myself. It wasn't about chasing the big dollars. Um, if you're successful in anything, the money will follow. Uh, let's be honest. But when I started out, it wasn't with the goal that I wanted to make a uh, hundred thousand dollars my first year. <laughs> that wasn't the motivation. It, it was to work for myself doing something, um, I enjoy doing. And, uh, and, and then that's what led to, uh, the, the various levels of success that I've, I've achieved over f almost 40 years now. That's such an important thing for people to realize, like just get started and, and get that freedom that comes with working for yourself if that's what you want and know that the money will follow. That's right. Um, so as far as fulfillment is concerned, I feel like this is kind of a topic that's not really explored enough. And to be honest, I hadn't really considered it until I started this podcast and, and realized the answers that I was getting mm -hmm. from people in relation to the last question. So the idea of success and fulfillment, I feel like sometimes are interchanged and they're not exactly the same thing. So for you, do you find success comes first followed by fulfillment or is it the other way around? I'd say the other way around because... Um you know, working for myself, doing what I'm doing uh, provides the fulfillment. And that's what led to the success. Yeah, I definitely think that I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, I think that it's possible to have success without fulfillment, but it's not possible to keep that for a long period of time um, because you eventually burn out. So I think I agree with you that it has to be the other way around. Yeah, and and I I think it uh, it goes back to uh, earlier part of our conversation. Of, uh, um, you know, if you if you don't enjoy doing what you're doing, you know, you're never going to be in my mind successful at what you're doing. Yeah, I definitely agree. So along this career that you've had, where originally you started it without any business experience, and then each time that you have come through a business milestone, you know, that was the first time that you have reached that. How did you continue to push yourself out of your comfort zone? How did you continue to make yourself okay with, with that uncomfortable feeling of what might come next? I, I, I guess kind of out of necessity, <laughs> you know, I, you know, you have to make a decision and, and hopefully it's for the best, but um, you know, a lot of the reasons why we scaled is, um, you know, like when I first started it, it was the motivation to work for myself full time. And then from there, once I got to that point, um, you know, um, I could, I was so busy, I could only handle so much business, but I had clients that were asking for me to do more. So, you know, what am I going to do? Um, 
so my brothers uh, came into the business and uh, so it became a family-based operation and, and then right there too I mean all of a sudden everyone all, all, all of us became really busy so okay so how do we continue to to grow the business that you know and we wanted to in each case it wasn't something that we said no we're, that's it um, so you know we happen to know a lot of people uh, friends, relatives, uh, you know, past co-workers that knew what we were doing. And they said, hey, if, if you ever need some help, just please let us know. We'd love to do this on the side. You know, in some cases, uh, people wanted to do this uh, while still working full time, but they wanted to make a, an extra, you know, two, three thousand dollars a month working part time for us. Uh, in some cases, it, uh, these people said, you know what, I, I, I hate my job. You know, if there's the opportunity to work for you guys full time, I'd love to do it. I'd come, come on board. So, you know, we've had a lot of these same people work for us for you know, 10, 20 years. And, and we know what they, uh, what we get. Uh, there's the trust factor involved. And, uh, um, so, you know, we, uh, we've scaled the business, uh, uh, we have to, well, we, we, we can always bring in more people, but, um, but, you know, we, we didn't want to get to the point where, okay, now we're going to franchise this. And, and then all of a sudden, then we, ha uh, we're going to stop doing really what we enjoy doing. And then we're going to have to go around the country, fly around the country, live out of hotel rooms, try to set up, uh, uh, you know, master franchises uh, in different, uh, cities and, and states. So that's one of the reasons why we thought, okay, well, I can share this, um, this knowledge with other people and share my success uh, uh, in the form of a book. And again, keeping things simple. And yeah. uh, I, I know it's been very rewarding for me. That's so amazing. And I was thinking as you were talking about, we talked about needing to love what you do. And I definitely agree that you need to love what you do. At the same time, I could see people out there saying, like, Parking lots are gross. How could you possibly <laughs> love this, right? But I think that there's an aspect in love what you do, which also translates to love the life that you get to have. And so there's, it's not necessarily the work you have to do. I mean, as an attorney, I sit at my desk. It's not bad work. I don't always love sitting at my desk and writing 25 page briefs, but you love the life that you get to have as a result of what you're putting in. And so no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be something that you don't like about your business. Yeah. The question is, is it a good enough trade-off for the life you get to give yourself? Exactly. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up because there was a point too in the early stages of my career uh, in the business where I'd been doing it for a number of years. And then, you know, I was, I was young and, and I guess a bit naive still. And I, and I, success came pretty easily and it provided uh, a really good lifestyle for me, but I'd lost that, um, um, uh, the, the, that perspective uh, of the kind of life it was providing for me. And instead I was kind of focusing but Brian, do you really want to clean up parking lots the rest of your life? Is that all there is for you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started looking at different opportunities and um, over a couple of years, and I kept coming back to the business I, that I was in. And I said, you know what? There, there is nothing perfect. There's always going to be something you don't like about whatever you get into. And, uh, and then I remembered why I got into the business to begin with. And it was to work outdoors and, and feel good about what I was doing, making my community a, a, a greener, cleaner, litter-free place. And, but to your point where, you know, some people don't like doing this stuff, you know, 
we're doing this interview during the COVID-19. You know, there was a time I was concerned about, well, are we going to lose some contracts? Because if the businesses are closed, they can't pay, pay their monthly rents. And so the money's not going to the landlords who are, who are our clients, the property managers. They're not going to have money to pay their service providers. At what point are they going to approach us and say, Brian, we need you to cut back or we, we, we don't need you right now. But you know what I found is all of a sudden people – we're discarding latex gloves, masks, and and uh, um, and sanitary wipes all over the parking lots, especially outside grocery stores and drugstores. Yeah, people and, are ridiculous. Yeah, and you know what? So I I took that as an opportunity. I approached my uh, local TV, the the biggest uh, dinner time news news hour, the TV station, and I said, "Look, at, you know, this is what people are doing. Can you believe it?" So they they bought my. Uh, um, my pitch and we met out uh, early one morning with a camera crew and uh, they filmed the news story. It went on uh, the, the dinner hour news and uh, uh, that was great exposure for mainly, you know, I, I really don't care about the general public, but I, this was aimed at my clients and uh, they would see this and they, and, and instead of me coming across as real salesy, salesy and trying to be opportunistic and, and save my butt and say, you know, Jerry, you need to keep me on during this COVID-19. <laughs> they could, all of a sudden, they could see for themselves, look at, look at this extra amount of litter material besides the cans, cups, wrappers, cigarette butts that he normally cleans up. And now he's got to deal with this. And, um, you know, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, the tools that we use, I'm not handling this. I'm not touching any of this material. It's simply swept into our litter collection tool and dumped into a, a waste dumpster on site. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just something that, um, you know, you, you always have to, you know, kind of see an opportunity in, in, uh, when, in, when the skies are gray. And, and, yeah. and that your business can, uh, can benefit from it as a result. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that because I recently did a solo podcast episode because somebody like got me on this on this like soapbox that I probably shouldn't have been on, but I was so irritated because people kept telling me um, businesses shouldn't be offering services right now. Like nobody can. We're in this uncertain time. Like, should you even be selling anything right now? And I like lost my lid. I was like, of course you should be. Like, yeah. you shouldn't be saying, oh, COVID, let me take advantage of this to sell you. But like, the, our lives don't stop because of this coronavirus situation. And we have a unique set of needs that didn't exist before, a unique set of problems. And if you have a service that can fix that problems, damn straight you should be talking to people about that. Like the idea that we should just retreat in our box and assume that nobody has money, like fired me up. So I am so <laughs> glad that you mentioned that because people need to hear it. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I was, it, it was, it was insane. I was like, what do you mean should be, you'll be offering things? Like, should you even be in business if you're worried about offering things to people? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, 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 like people still don't want pizzas and, and yeah. uh, their Chinese food and, and uh, what a grocery sanitizer uh, or their, uh, uh, their, their six pack of beer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the list goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I'm so glad that this came up in the conversation right now because normally this is where I talk about like failure and recovering and things to that effect. But I think that 
what we just talked about is just as important. And that's the, the pivoting that has to exist in a business. Like you, you start a business and it starts being successful and you're, you're solving needs and then new needs come up and you have to pivot to address those. And we have to be able to do that in a business in order to be long-term successful. That's right. And, you know, and unfortunately for a lot of businesses, and I still find it amazing you know, that this day and age, there are so many small businesses, especially the little mom and pop uh, restaurants that never did have a website or a web, a web presence. And so when they were forced to shut down and close their kitchen, I mean, there, there was, there's no revenue coming in, but some of the other restaurants, uh, you know, maybe they kept their kitchens open and uh, they're still making some sort of revenue by, uh, you know, um, offering their menu, uh, their, their, uh, their food items, like through, uh, um, you know, the very DoorDash, or et cetera, the, uh, you know, Uber Eats, et cetera, or, or be, even being open, you know, people are allowed to phone in their order and then, and then go pick it up. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to lead, uh, um, you know, coming out of this, uh, those businesses that, that didn't have a website before, I mean, they've got to see, you know, get with the times and, and be, be where your audience is too. Yeah, I agree. I actually said when this first started, when everybody was panicking, I said that this is going to be the largest number of online businesses that we've seen is going to be built during this time frame. If people are really taking advantage of what we have right now, there's going to be a ton of online businesses built because of exactly what you just said. Our needs don't stop just because we can't go to the store to get what we need. That's right. Exactly. Dude, I love this conversation. I feel like I could talk to you about this forever, <laughs> but unfortunately we don't have that long. Um, we don't have forever to talk. What I would love to do is let everybody get to know you and kind of close this up with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Um, other than what you do now, if you could have any profession, what do you think it would be fun to attempt? Oh, you know what? It, it's still probably be involved involved working outdoors and maybe I'd be a landscaper or or you know what if I had the funds uh, uh, maybe a small farmer an urban uh, gardener or something like that grow my own uh, specialty crops to provide the you know the the, uh, the the restaurant industry with fresh herbs or something like that I, love I like it. to get like to get my hands dirty <laughs> I love it if you could time travel where would you go and why um, you know, I guess maybe in, in the 1950s or 60s, I, you know, there were turbulent times, but at the same time, the best of times, when you look at how, um, you know, uh, the economy and, and the nation came out of, um, you know, the, the wars um, and, uh, you know, the, the, everything was booming and, and life seemed to come pretty easy. Back then, of course, you know, now if you look back, you know, with a lot of the technology that they didn't enjoy, you, you could think, oh, that's a tough time to live. But, but uh, you, know, I, you know, it's not too far back. You know, there were still some modern, modern conveniences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, books. Do you like to read them or do you listen to them on audiobooks? Uh, I, I like to read them. I'm okay. not a, a huge book reader. I, you know, maybe read a, a couple a year and they tend to be maybe uh, autobiography or, or uh, something related to, to business. Okay. Um, as far as um, recommending books is concerned, what book have you recommended the most to people? Well, the one I've just finished reading, um, I believe it's called Master Marketing. Okay. Uh, and it's written by John Watson. 
and uh, it, it's really good. It, uh, he kind of builds a roadmap on, on marketing and, and sales, and it's really good for, for people to understand how the process works as opposed to just jumping in and throwing some money at this and trying that and, uh, well, that doesn't work, so I'm now, I'm now going to throw some money at that and see if that works and you know, hope for the best. And uh, it's really a, uh, quite the book. Yeah, I love it a lot. All right. So um, I have to ask everybody this question um, because I am a huge music nerd. And so as far as songs are concerned, do you have a motivational song that kind of pumps you up, something you listen to on repeat over and over? Oh, well, it depends on, on my mood, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, uh, Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yes. That's kind of an oldie. Uh, I like the Foo Fighters. Uh, I think all my life, uh, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a, a great song. I love the the words to that. Um, and then sometimes when I feel like uh, breaking some rules, uh, I like a little Highway to Hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, those are all good options. All right. So for everybody who maybe didn't catch it before, one more time, where can people track down your resource um, and connect with you if they want to? Uh, go to cleanlots.com. And um, um, everything is there. You can reach out to me uh, if you've got a um, a question. You can send me an email. Uh, there's a wealth of information on my site, including that video that shows me going for a walk. Perfect. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and giving some insight into you know your Clean Lots idea and resource, and then just the wonderful insight that you have into business and life over the last forty years of business. No, you're welcome, uh, Amber. I had a great time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.